All right, we're back and joining me on the phone for his third visit to the pod. And it is actually a great pleasure to have him back. Matt Stinger, who, of course, is featured on the uh, Philadelphia Sports Network, where he covers the Flyers and the Phillies. His work has also been featured on the Bleachers Report and the host of the Six Up High Pod. Matt, good evening and welcome back for your third visit. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Matt. It's good to be back. Uh, yeah, it is good to be back, Matt, but I really wish I could be talking to you under better circumstances than uh, what I'm about to talk to you tonight. But I know it's not all doom and gloom, and, and you're really – when things began to kind of go off the rails for the Flyers, uh, figuratively, whatever you want to call it, I actually thought about you because you are a person that in, in the last two times that we've talked, you bring a little bit of reality to the doom and gloom. So I hope beyond – a shadow of a doubt that you can do that for me tonight. Do you think you can, Matt? I'll do my best. Uh, last night was difficult. <laughs> oh, we're going to get into all that here in a second. Uh, so, Matt, the last time we talked was about two months ago, and I believe the Flyers were 7-2-1. and one, And you remarked, because actually I listened to it, re-listened to it today just to make sure I had it all correct, but you remarked that it was an ugly, ugly 7-2-1. and one. And – I, I agreed with that 100%. Obviously, the Flyers were getting painfully outshot in games, painfully outworked. They were winning on really good goaltending and, let's face it, lucky bounces. But since we've talked, Matt, which, again, has been about two months, since we've conversed the last time, this team has not – those lucky bounces and that great uh, that great goaltending has kind of gone to the wayside, and they've gone 10-11-3 uh, from that point where we are sitting now at a healthy 17, 13, and 4. Matt, before we start getting into the X's and O's a little bit, what is wrong with the Philadelphia Flyers? Well, they, they're having a difficult time clearing their zone, and the turnovers are absolutely killing them. Um, if you just watch kind of some of their play, they are looking like a men's league team out there. Um, there's the system or support of players is just – it's not there. I mean, like, I made a note from last night's game. I thought the beginning of the game at now, Buffalo took it to them and they were out shooting the Flyers. They didn't spend much time in their zone. But I thought the defense at the beginning, like, first five minutes of the game was playing a good, solid game. They were getting the pucks out of their zone. Um, forwards were coming back in support. And that hasn't been happening. There's been, like, the, the, it's almost like you're looking for that home run pass uh, to spring a breakaway, and and I think Ivan Provorov said it the other night. The gap is too large, and they got to bring that down. And I mean, that's the major breakdown is they're turning pucks over at the blue line, and the teams are are jumping on it and capitalizing a lot of the times. Now, if we spin this positively, the Flyers have been out shooting opponents regularly since that time. Uh, but unfortunately, maybe they need to go back to those ugly wins where they're just playing a, a better defensive game, shutting down the shots that they're getting and uh, just kind of capitalizing a higher shooting percent like they were getting earlier in the year. No, absolutely. And I've, I've been tracking those shots for and against all season long, and, and you're right. Uh, it has definitely balanced out and shifted in the Flyers' favor over the last, let's call it, last month uh, in March. But right now, Matt, um, and I agree with what you're saying, um, and we're going, I'm going to kind of dive into this kind of in pieces, and let's talk about the philosophy 
part of it first. And a person who I don't really hear much criticism over at this point, uh, let's let's go right at him, A.V. Is his message the wrong message for this team? Is he Has he lost this team? I mean, this is very reminiscent of how it went down for him with the Rangers. He lost them, and they stopped listening to him. Are we in that? Are we entering that mode with the Flyers with him? It certainly seems that way, and I think you know you're not the only one who's questioned it. I, I've thought about that as well, and, and just like how you don't come ready to play against a team like Buffalo, who's lost 17 straight. You know, you're you're you know they're they're due. You know they're going to come out, and they did. Luckily for the Flyers. It didn't get too out of hand, and that first goal, they were so, or the Sabres were so fragile that that first goal really kind of tilted the ice in the Flyers' favor. Now, you also had, they could have iced it on that empty net that they missed, but how does it take, how does it take the players in the intermission, between the second and third intermission, to finally be like, yo, what the heck's going on, guys? And it was Lawton, and it was Braun, you know. And it, it wasn't the the uh, it wasn't Drew, it wasn't Coots or Voracek. And Av didn't said uh, he didn't even go into the dressing room. Right. So when when you think of that, you look at that, you're like, how could this guy lost the locker room already? But it's something that it's it's it a question that should be asked. It, it has to be asked at this point. And, I mean, we'll see tomorrow how they come out. I mean, that, I, I, you know, I, I think like all other Flyers fans that watched last night's game, when that started, and it started in that fashion, that the Flyers weren't ready. I mean, who didn't think that after the last Rangers game, you know, Big Sam Lauren gets his first NHL goal and it's the game winner and it's it's a great story for that guy, you know, and and, and everything he's been through and he's always around. They, they seem to love the guy because he's always been positive and, and working hard. How do you not build on that as a turning point or a momentum builder? And they just did. So I don't know what exactly is going on in the dressing room, but something's not right down there. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely 100% agree. And I and I actually like uh, A.V. I think he's a really good old-school type hockey guy. Uh, but for whatever, for whatever reason, and, and we can, you know, I personally look at this downfall as kind of be, beginning in the bubble. I really do. I know, I know that's an alien concept to a lot of people. <laughs> I don't think so much to you, though, it is. But um, the team that emerged in Toronto back in what August was not the team that walked off the ice in in March against the uh, what was it, the Bruins. And that was not the same team in my asp- in, in my opinion. And things have kind of spiraled from there uh, to what I believe is 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 what we have here now. A couple of things, Matt. I want to talk to you about again more in the scheme thing before we get into the players. Um, let's let's go with the physicality of this team. Matt, have you not seen a more softer Philadelphia Flyer team ever in your life than this team? No, I, I, no, and even the even the guys who bang bodies are, are playing soft, and I think that's why you got more up in the lineup. I think that's why it was smart to bring him up. In fact, it's a couple of weeks ago we were in. Uh, I had a, a men's league game, and we were in the dressing room talking about the Flyers, and I think what had happened was um, they they. At that game, it was a Monday night, I think, and, and the Flyers were playing. 
and they took out Gustafson or put Gustafson in for Ghost. And that was kind of like, well, why would you do that? You're swapping the same exact player. And I said, well, Gustafson's a little bit bigger than Ghost. Maybe it's physical related, you know? And the guys are like, oh, okay. But then I go, but if you're worried about physicality, you got a big, tall, strong, you know, farm guy and, and number 55 play, he's back playing defense in Lehigh Valley, you know? And, and I go, why don't I give him a shot? What do you got to lose at this point on your third pairing? What you, you have nothing to lose because they're getting out work. And I think that was um, right around the last Capitals game. And there was two, the first two goals the Caps scored were, they were out work. Like, uh, the one, I can't remember who scored. The second one was scored by Hagwin where he just, he just was posted up and Ghost couldn't move him. And the other one was, gosh, I can't remember who it was, but like just reached around Sandheim and stuck his stick in the lane and chipped it up and over. I think it was Elliot at the time who was in goal. It was, Elliot had no chance, but the guy outworked, uh, worked at, outworked Sandheim. So they're getting outworked. They're getting out muscled. That they're, like, no one's hitting anymore. I think Albe Kubel is not hitting anyone because he's scared to go in a box. Because, <laughs> like, he's going in a box all the time and they're fetching him for it, you know? Right. But, but uh, yeah, I think that's – it's a it's a softer team. They're not hitting, you know, and, and now you got a guy that you're brought in, not albeit the sample size is small, it's only three games, but – no one's standing posting up in front of the net when he's in front of there. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I agree. <laughs> you throw a body check on one guy and press two against the boards. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the puck is free now because Sam Morris got two guys pressed against the boards. Now, I'm not saying he's a second coming of Chris Pronger, but he's got the size and he's got the strength to clear it out. And, and he's played a decent game, a solid game where he's not making the turnover mistakes in our zone that I've seen. Um, he's not, he's like, he's been very good at clearing the puck. Nice, nice, I'm sure, but it beats a, it beats turning it over at the blue line when all the forwards have vacated. And uh, I think it, it's only been with the exception of the, uh, the really BS penalty was called against the Mona Rangers. He's only been on the ice for one goal. And that was at the debacle last night where everybody just wanted to hang out on the right side on the right side boards. Now, when you also look schematically at this team, and one of the things that has become mind-numbingly frustrating to me has been these slow starts. Now, these slow starts have pretty much begun, uh, began, not begun, but began, in my opinion, with the Islanders in that Islander series in the bubble and has carried over really into the entire uh, this season. When you look at slow starts from a hockey aspect or a hockey point of view, how do you, what do you attribute slow starts to um, for this team? Uh, uh, if, if they're having too many, they're not prepared to play. They're not ready. Now, do you, you know, like what's what is their system? What are, what are they doing pregame? You know, are they? You know, I, I don't know. Like. Doc, <laughs> it's, it's Come on, man! <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a frustrating thing, you know. Like, I mean, when they began the year, they were jumping out to leads. Even when they, like, with the exception of like the one Buffalo loss and the Boston when they whooped them, they were jumping up. And you know, the whole thing was, well, we can't hold the lead. And now it's like, well, now we got to 
be the ones fighting back, you know? And, right. and I mean, yeah, their, their slow start is, is there, there's a lot of, of that defensive liability. They're not clear in pucks or puck watching at times. I mean, the other day on the Rangers, uh, Zabanej had again, the last game, you know, the power play goal, which was a silly penalty to take by TK, by the way, but, I get it. He's trying to stir something up. He's probably frustrated. He hasn't really done anything in, in the past few games, and, and uh, which was surprising why he was he wasn't on the short and bench list yesterday to me. But um, you know, he ended up helping contribute to I think Hayes' first goal with his play. But I mean, he takes a bad penalty there, and then unfortunately Myers is caught puck watching and doesn't see the Benajet sneak in right on the post for it happening. You know, and so. I don't know why why they're not coming ready to play. And it's absolutely, it's got to be the easiest thing to to be ready to play a hockey game in the NHL, right? (laughs) Yeah, you would think it would be. And now I've heard multiple press conferences, and the players are leaning on this more than I hear AV leaning on it. But uh, I did hear AV kind of allude to it a couple days ago, and the lack of practices, you know, the lack of the – because of the game schedules the way they are with a lot of back-to-backs and, you know, one-day-off game type situations. But, it, you know, the Flyers are not playing this on their own. I mean, there's 30 other teams dealing with this type of thing. Is it more than that? I mean, do you believe it's more than that? Do you buy that, uh, you know, lack of practice stuff? What, what, what do you think about that? I, I do buy it to an extent because I think it, it's important, you know, it's so important when, you, when you're struggling and you can't work on your, your struggles in a team environment, that does take effect. And yes, I know that, you know, every team's going through it, but every team didn't shut down for like a week and a half and then have to pile games in, you know, and now you're going to see, you're going to see it with Boston. Is Boston going to have a little bit of a slide? Cause they were shut down a bit and now they're going to have to go in and make up those games. So that'll be interesting to, to watch. As, as the Bruins move forward. But I do, to an extent, believe the practice because I think you have the ability to work on the things you need to work on. And, and look, the first practice they had in a while was the other day. They came out and they beat the Rangers right. the next day. And I, I don't think they practiced before the <laughs> Buffalo game, but they practiced today. And we'll see how tomorrow goes. You know, and uh, it, it's it's kind of the way I, I've been I've been watching it it, it almost seems like seems like a complacency type of thing you know what I mean like there's the guys are complacent they're not challenged there's no one's pushing them to take their spot so they're just like yeah we're here you know and you see the difference when you see a young guy in the lineup working his tail off you know be it Farabee or um, or you know Marna wants to stay up there like when Prosser's in there I mean yeah he's not best but he's, he's working hard and, and he's trying to do the right thing now I, I say that his last game he was wasn't the best but you know he's pretty much an NHL player at this point of his career you right, know right, right, so um it's it's that type of like almost like a laissez-faire type of of uh, you know type of attitude and, and maybe maybe that's what AB sees today, and that's what Chuck Fletcher sees today with the waving of ghosts, putting ghosts on waivers. Maybe it's a, maybe they got a, they got, he's really got to sit someone of importance, and he did that with, with Carter Hart, you know, and, and that kind of is mind blowing when you look at that and, and going, oh, wait a minute, what's going on here? 
Um, but maybe you got to sit like Sandheim like needs a rest. He, he's high and cold. And you never know which, which number six we're going to get, you know, yeah. you, you already said sit, connect me. It, it, like who else can you sit? You got to sit somebody to be like, this is unacceptable play. Absolutely, and let's now move to the boys on the ice, and let's start with the big one that you alluded to just a second ago, and actually, you were the one that I got the breaking news from today. I saw it on a tweet that you sent out around, I guess it was lunchtime-ish, that the Flyers had placed uh, Gossesphere on waivers, which means now that any team in the National Hockey League has 24 hours to claim him. If not, then he'll be returned to the Flyers in the minor league camp down there in Lehigh Valley. First and foremost, what if any kind of surprise it was for you to see this move done today, um, based on you know the, the the recent history with with all that with the with the ghost, are you surprised that he was placed on waivers? I was. It, it was shocking. I mean, if it happened like three weeks ago, I don't think it would have been a shock. But um, or whenever he was he was having his struggles, that he sat a few games. But um, I think today was a shock because last night he played pretty good. You know, he was. I thought he had a good game. He's been playing a lot lately. Um, he's been really, really driving some offensive plays. Um, but the uh, it, yeah, it was, it was shocking. I just so, I just so happened to be right next to my computer when that happened. So it was one of those things where I was like, oh hey, I got this. <laughs> Normally, this stuff happens when I'm like in the shower getting ready for work, <laughs> and it, uh, I, I never am Johnny on the spot there, but. I saw it and I was like, I got it, and I, you know, then I banged out a quick story um, on it. But yeah, it's a little bit surprising, especially when you know you would think that as of late, Gustafson wasn't um, playing, and, and you know, if you look at the last five games, I, I compare it on my piece on PhillySportsNetwork.com that you know Gustafson is they've been about the same points, but Gustafson's been like a minus four in his last five games where Gus is even or plus one or, or, or something. Um, but yeah, I, I really kind of, it kind of, I think took everybody by surprise if you go by Twitter. Um, now the move apparently frees up some cap space for, for them and it gives them a little, like AB said, it gives them flexibility, a little bit of flexibility, which, is true, but not kind of what we want to hear. But where I think I, I, I'm not so sure on this, but I don't think if they waived Gustafson, if he would have had any cap relief if he cleared waivers. Right. Whereas Ghost is about one a million in cap relief, I think, or a little over a million in cap relief. So, um, so in doing that, Ghost will most likely just stick on the taxi squad. I don't think he's going to go to Lehigh Valley unless unless they do something and make it make it. A big trade, and so you believe that you believe he'll clear. You believe he'll clear waivers. At first, I didn't, and then in looking at it, I was a little bit more. I was thinking, you know, maybe uh, his maybe his cap hit of four point something million. I think it's four point two five. Might be something where guys don't take it. Um, Florida just left Ekblad, so. And he's from Florida. Maybe, maybe he goes home. Um, yeah. Other than that, if he, he maybe it's also a move. Who knows what Chuck Flesher is dealing with? If he's got some guys on the hook that want him but are a little bit afraid, maybe it's a way to kind of get a uh, get another GM motivated to, to right. put the trade in, and uh, that way that 
they could talk about the Flyers retaining some of ghosts of cap space. But um, I know GMs have used that kind of technique before, put them on waivers and scared a team, and then, hey, well, we want them, so we'll trade you. It has happened sometimes. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, when I first saw it, though, it took me back to uh, the Ed, Ed Wade era of the Phillies when they tried to trade Rico Baronia. In and then waved them after the trade deadline in Boston got it for nothing. It was kind of like, why would you, why would you wave a trade asset? But if you get rid of his cap space, that's a four million dollar cap hit. That's free does free up, and the Flyers can have some wiggle room there. Now you mentioned that uh, you know the whole GM thing, and, and I know a lot of people, and, and me included, I've been clamoring for the trade gossiphere for years. I mean, I, I'm I ain't gonna deny that I've I've been off his boat for. A minute now. I, I never, th- I never, I don't believe that he'll ever return to that rookie year form um, at all. And yeah, we've, I, we've talked about this before. Yes, we have. And uh, I've, I've been on the whole. Let's get rid of uh, Gossesphere for years. But, um, and I, do, but I do remember what Chuck Fletcher said a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was even last week, when he basically said he's been on the phone uh, more in his more of this season than he's been in his entire life trying to make some deals, but. Other teams aren't biting because of the COVID situation. You know, we're looking at 11 months of hockey uh, dating back to last season of lost revenue when it comes to, like, gate, gates and stuff like that. So I got it. The, no one wants to take on $4 million, and no one wants to take on uh, anything right now because there's so much uncertainty about when the next time they're going to actually have uh, fans and money in the seats. So I, I, I get that, and, and I understand what the move might represent, uh, but I'm – you know, a little, you know, kind of concern that what what has Chuck Fletcher and AV seen this season that we all didn't see last season in the season before that? What what changed? I mean, I I saw the handwriting on the wall. Did you not? In terms of of his play, of his play, yeah. He's he's played a lot better this year. He's actually looked a lot stronger, and, and sometimes out there, I, I like the first game I saw. I went down. Actually, the only game I got to cover uh, in person, um, I, I noticed he looked he looked a lot stronger. And I think um, it was one of the first games he was he was uh, back in the lineup after uh, uh, I think the beginning of the season. When he, he he sat for a little bit with the COVID and all that. But, um, yeah, yeah. I I mean, he's he's he is what he is. He's a third pairing guy, and he's got to be paired with someone's big, and he's got to be paired with a defensive minded guy, and he can run that power play. Um, this year, I've I've seen a little bit more out of his offensive um, play that was a little bit of reminiscent to when he was breaking into the league. Where he, you know, his subtle movement with the puck and, and all that, it wasn't just firing it in the, in the legs like in a rush. But you know, it, it, again, he is what he is. Um, he was definitely something with the retirement of Niskin, and the Flyers couldn't part with him or try and make a move because <laughs> I think Fletcher kind of panicked and signed the exact same player as as Ghost and. Uh, and Gustafson, and that wasn't really beneficial to the team. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, there's there's got to be a market for the guy. But at that, like you said, that no one wants to spend because of this. Uh, 
keep my opinion out of it. This COVID situation. <laughs> You're right, right, right. I got you. Now, hey, try. I got the uh, the union window is extremely uh, loud. I got you, Matt. <laughs> I'm right on board with that whole nonsense. Um, now, I, I think we tweeted back and forth a little bit today about this as well. Uh, now, with the the uh, release of of Gossifer and also the combined the release of Mark Freeman a few weeks back, uh, we're now down two defensemen. Now, uh, to a core that wasn't what we would call like good to begin with. Now we're minus two other people. Now I got a Sam Warren is going to come up, and uh, and I guess Prosser is the other one. But um, what does this say about one? And I, and I asked you this straight up today. What does this say about Ron Hextall's drafting ability? And two, uh, what does this say about the way these defensemen, in particular, are being developed by this by this franchise? Well, I mean, Mark Mark Friedman is you know he's he's out there like now he's he's chirping and, and trashing philly so i mean the, i look at that and i go maybe this wasn't the locker room guy you know maybe he was he was someone who just was you know disgruntled and you know we've all worked with that guy that nothing's good enough for and everything like you know you find problems and finding a hundred dollar bill on the ground you know, I, I don't know. I don't know the guy, but after going to Pittsburgh and then he just starts trashing Philly, like, well, you, you weren't good enough to make it up in Philly. And, and, you know, sorry, you know, you got picked up. You're on the Penguins. Why, why not just let it be gone and just be like, hey, you know, I enjoyed my time in Philly, but I'm here now. I want to focus on now. But, you know, he, he didn't. He bid on that question and, and uh, or whoever asked it, if it was a question, or he just wanted to rip Philly, you know. Um, so... I don't see that one as, as a bad one to get away, and, but it also begs the question, is Ghost an issue in the, in the locker room as well? Now, I've had minimal dealings with, with him, and he's always come across to me as a professional, squared square away, really uh, good good guy, but again, that's me asking him questions post-game or after practice, and, and uh, it's not like what's going on. We, he, he did have a little bit of a uh, I, I believe it was last year, kind of like diva quotes and all that. Like, so I'm just wondering if it, it, it's like not the type of guy they want. If, if Ghost isn't the type of guy, um, is I and and that's kind of where I sit. I I'm and that's just me thinking. It's just observations, you know. Um, as far as the development, um, it, it, it's tough to say because no one's really stepping forward, you know? And last year, Provorov had a decent season, but he also had one hell of a mentor in Niskin. And this year, there is no mentor. And, you know, like, you've got the inconsistencies in the de- defense, you know, most notably, you know, Sandheim's, uh, Myers has been inconsistent, you know, obviously you got Ghost, Braun, everybody's pretty much been inconsistent, even Provorov, you know, with their play. So, I they're really not developing their defensive core if you want to just be blunt, you know, so something has to, has to give. Now to follow up on that, on the Freeman Gossosphere, Ron Hextall connection, let's look at some of the other players that are, you know, contributors in this, on this team right now. Konechny, um, God, uh, Nolan Patrick, Oscar Limbaum, uh, you mentioned Phil Myers, Travis Sanheim. These are all players that were three, four years ago 
touted as being the next. I mean, this was the next generation. This was going to bring us back. Right now, none of them, with maybe the exception of Joel Farabee, which he's a notable exception because he's the only one that's, that's done a damn thing at all this season. Again, where should I be concerned that maybe Hextall wasn't a draft whisperer that he was supposedly to be? Well, it certainly feels that way. If you look at everybody's play, how it has regressed, and I mean, yeah, like you, you got you got Farabee, but he was drafted in 2018. Was that Hextall's last draft? It was, yes. Okay, so you have Farabee and Morgan Frost were the last two. He drafted. Um, well, Frost was in the same draft class as Patrick the year before. Oh, I thought he went. Thinking, okay. I think uh, Farabee was at the same as uh, Noah Cates, right, Ray right, O'Brien. Right. They had two first round picks. I think the second one was Jay O'Brien. So it was Hextall's last draft. Is he a 